Hello, I'm Russell Howard, and this is Wonderbox. A Wonderbox is a place where you keep the things that remind you of the stuff you adore. So I thought it would be cool to do a podcast where I ask some people what they put in their Wonderbox and have a chat about the most amazing moments of their lives. My guest this week is one of Britain's most exciting rising comedy stars. She's an iconic performer who became the first ever trans woman to headline the London Palladium. This is Jordan Gray's Wonderbox. Hello, I'm Russell Howard. I'm here with Jordan Gray. I'm here as well. Hello, Russell Howard. Hello, mate. And uh, producer Dan Atkinson. Hello. And we're here to, uh, to celebrate your Wonderbox. Are you a natural hoarder? Oh, that's a good... I, I'd like to not have too many superfluous things in my life. Really? Yeah, I've got like one outfit that I wear for every show. I eat the same thing every day, so not really. Everything I own, I think, I've, I've nicked or borrowed from a TV show I was on. Definitely shoes. I have not b- bought a pair of shoes since since I sort of transitioned. Really. Yeah. It's really hard to get women's shoes in my size, but for a TV show, they find them magically, and then I'll have them. What size are you? 11. Wow, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. It's big old flippers down there. And... <laughs> It's funny, isn't it? It's, you you never think about that. So, so you have to do. do you have to have like because presumably, I mean, let's just get straight into it. Yeah. But do you want like dainty footwear? I'd love some dainty footwear, but I'm you wearing, can't do it. No, because it's there. There is uh, what's it called? Diminishing returns on daintiness as the size gets bigger. Yeah. Mathematically speaking, the daintiness goes down. Yeah. Yeah. My massive toenail sticking out the end. <laughs> like we but, we put a lot of stock into feet. I mean, we use them every day. Most people use them every day. Not everyone gets to use a them. A lot but. of people have things about them. I remember we had a gag on my TV show where I took my, I got my feet out. Right. I mean, flipping hell, that's yeah. a real window into fetishes. For sure. I can't believe you get your body parts out on TV, Russell. What are you well, doing? What, what, kind of ma- is that? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of maverick does that? Um, so, so Jordan, um, yeah. you know the, you know the scope. We're, we're chatting about essentially things that make you tick. The idea was sort of celebrating something lovely. So, what's the first thing you'd like to put in the box? Well, I'd love to pop into the box, and it would just about fit mm-hmm. a, a little marijuana seed. I'd pop down that spout. Okay. Little marijuana seed. Is it one that you've held on to? I've not. I don't own it myself. No, uh, I wish I had it to show you. I uh, suspect that'd be illegal. <laughs> but what? What does it mean? The significance of the marijuana seed. I've never smoked marijuana in my life, nor a cigarette, nor nothing like that. But. Every single one of my friends always did. I had no ill will towards them for doing so. They were often quite fun as a result of it, and, and they lived their lives today having done it. But I, I connected with one of them recently, a mate of mine called Ben, and he was a, he's a, a real smoker, and he came to one of my shows. I've not met him since I transitioned into a woman as well. It was really nice. And he was a big smoker, and it just reminded me of this story from our teenage years. We were inseparable when we were little. Yeah. We stayed at each other's houses all the time, and we played in bands together. And he bought some marijuana seeds off the internet once. Female seeds, I think they're called. I don't know the difference, but like apparently one makes THC, the good, the good stuff, and one's just the plant. I can't remember which one he bought. I think he bought the, the female one. So Wow. And he planted it in his mum's garden. Yeah. And then forgot about it for the summer. Yeah. And bless us, we, we were sort of, uh, we were jamming one day and his mum took it into the conservatory. She said, Ben, why is there a marijuana plant growing in my garden? And... To it, oh, so sweet. It just represents him so much. He just went, maybe a bird dropped it. I think <laughs> wow. perhaps a bird flew over and dropped it. Yeah. That bird's life, it sounds exciting for one thing. But oh, I, thought I love that. It just represents the naivety of what we were like back then. He thought that was going to completely fly. Is, did his mum buy it for a second? or? I saw in her eyes that she didn't, but out of her mouth she did. She said, oh, all right, mate. Okay, yeah, that okay. might have been that. That yeah. might have been that. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that, though. They were female. Did you know that? I've just Googled it. What did, what did it say? It's true, yeah. What, and what does the female part of the weed do? 
because I'm sort of interested whether that it sort of goes along the sort of normal gender, gender lines. lines. I want to see whether it's does that result in a more caring high? Yeah, has <laughs> it got tiny little dainty leaves? Yeah. Or has it got massive size eleven leaves? It's um, I think Isn't that interesting though. Think, eh? Yeah, the male one I think makes the crystals that make THC, which is that. I'm not even going to try and remember tetrahydrochloro, whatever it is, yeah. that makes gets you high. And I think the female ones are like hemp. I think they make. So the female is the CBD. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, is that where you get CBD from? The, the stems think, of the, okay. CBD. If I'm right, is the is the non cannabisy bit, but it's the right. the gentle medicine <laughs> underneath it. So oddly, it does feel like it's going along sort of stereotypical gender lines yeah. in that you kind of go, this gets you out of your tree, and this one does all the caring. That's it. Isn't that interesting? It. it goes even further than that. Yeah. So weed seeds grown to female produce more THC than males. Yeah. Female cannabis plants have flowers. The male cannabis plants have tiny buds that resemble balls. Of course they do. Okay. Of course they do. So flowers and balls. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting, yeah. man? The two genders right there, yeah. flowers and balls. And uh, so how come you've never smoked weed ever? Uh, you strike me as someone that, that would have. You do. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Just because of... A sort of a laid backness, do you think? So I'm quite laid backness. Sort of, you seem quite streetwise. Oh, that's very sweet of you to say. No, I, I think I was quite a, like a nerdy little lonely kid. Uh, I was only ever praised for my brain and nothing else. I wasn't good at football. I wasn't good at anything. But teachers and parents would be like, "But that was really clever." And I always thought I've got to really look after my brain because that's the only thing that's getting me any attention in life. Really, really, really. So, so no alcohol. Loads of alcohol, but I'm 12 years sober now. So I quit when I was. I quit when I was about 20 because I wrote a novel when I was drunk and I thought I was Ernest Hemingway. And <laughs> Fuck I, me, but yeah, how productive is that? <laughs> well, you didn't read it. That's the, I, I sobered up and I read it and it was the worst piece of shit I've ever read in my life. So then I was like, oh, that's it. No more. And from that morning, I read it. I was like, I thought I'd invented metaphors. And I read it. It was like, <laughs> the sky is like the sea of the ground or whatever. I was like, that's not real writing. And then I quit. Wow. Forever. So it's like a reverse Kerouac. <laughs> so is. because like, that he was doing like Benny's, wasn't he? Yeah. And didn't he write it all in one manuscript? Yeah, um, on one massive long length of wallpaper paper. Yeah, or something. which I think I've seen somewhere in a museum. And yeah. it's, it, you know, it's quite a sort of scroll. Yeah, it's so a scroll or a screed. Yeah. And a little bit's gone because uh, apocryphally his dog bit a bit off of it. Is that right? Yeah, it's a little bit missing where his dog ripped some so off. The dog ate his homework. <laughs> oh my god! That's it. The Beat Generation would be a different place if that dog had just been fed that day. So, as far as sort of like sober stories, that, I mean, that's a pretty cool one. Is that I, I wrote a novel, I realised it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. See, so you get sober. Instantly, you think I will never drink again. Instantly, never again. And you've not drunk since. Not drunk since. The only thing I miss is a, a fruit cider on a, a nice sunny day. Because oh. oh man, you've unlocked so many memories. I very briefly dated the heir to the Copperberg fortune, the Copperberg oh soda company. Oh my god! I was living in Sweden and I was going out with the daughter of the Copperberg man, and that I was drinking back then. And they, I think they were going through a divorce at the time. The parents, Hot Copperberg and Miss Copperberg. Yeah. So the daughter was preoccupied with the mum and I just spent <laughs> I spent the whole weekend with the dad who didn't really speak English um, watching The Godfathers 1, 2 and 3 and that's all we had to communicate because we didn't have the language but we were just watching these films and occasionally look over to each other and go, like nod, like, yeah, this is good, isn't it? And were you, were you drinking Copperberg? I was drinking him out of house and home, yeah. But because it's a lovely sort of summery, festivaly drink, mm. it isn't the kind of drink you'd imagine to go with Mafia. Like, do you know <laughs> what I mean? It's just kind of like, uh, let's, watch, let's watch a film about yeah. Italian mafia yeah. and uh, fancy some fizzy Ribena that'll get your shit face yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could pause it for a minute have a bit more mint yeah, a little yeah. bit more mint and ice but that's what it is yeah. it's kind of can you imagine a world in which you could have walked into a pub 
in 1998 and said, can I have an alcoholic strawberry and lime <laughs> drink, please? And yeah. can I have it now? Can I have it with ice? Yeah. But they are, if you're not into the flavour of sort of beer and natural kind of the alcohol we grow up on, they are lethal. And if you don't drink, you can smell alcohol from a mile away. But if you if you do, there's there's a good chance you have a swig of that and you can't tell if it's alcoholic or not. And do you think you would ever drink again? What do you fear? Um, this isn't me trying to push you back. But I'm <laughs> What's in that wonder box? But I'm, I'm intrigued by you. I've got, I've got a few mates who've had, you know, sort of history with booze and they can't. And they all talk about, like, I, I wouldn't mind. I just can't because I've become so stable. That's their thing. That sounds about right. I mean, I was always taught there's kind of two types of addicts in that respect. One where you cannot have it for ages, yeah. but then when you have it, you can't stop for yeah. two weeks. And then there's people that need it all the time. I'm the first one. If I had it now... We'd be out till four in the morning yeah. doing weather. And I, I don't know, I wasn't a menace as a drunk, just too much of it. Yes. I'd, get, I'd get paid to play a show somewhere. I used to be a musician and spend all that money at that bar that night and then keep just keep doing that over and over and over yeah. again. Without getting sort of too deep into it, were you using it to kind of run away or and and do you feel now that you don't need to? Oh, that's you, interesting. Uh, and yeah. do you find, because you transition now... People like me are always going, dread is because. <laughs> That's, there's something <laughs> Two in, questions. There is something in medicine called transgender broken leg syndrome where you go into a doctor's with anything and they'll go, oh, it's probably the... So if you go in with a broken leg, they'll be like, should we check your hormone levels and see what's <laughs> that? So there is an element of that. Yeah. I've, never, I've never had a drop of alcohol and estrogen in my system at the same time because I, I quit before I transitioned. Right. So huge, but because the, the pills that I take, I take eight milligrams of estrogen every day, they uptake much better if there's no alcohol in your system. So that was conscious as well. When right. I sobered up, I was like, good, I'm a woman. That's, that is, if anything, I was masking it the whole time, probably. And what does that feel like to have the that sort of the eight milligrams of estrogen in? What does that make you feel? Sort of nice, validated. The first time I took it, it was, there's got to be a placebo effect. I took it, I was like, oh, everything's fine now. But there's that, I mean, it surely didn't go into my bloodstream that fast. When I don't take it, I look, this is maybe, maybe me making out, but I look at my arms and I can see the little hairs like growing. I feel like I'm werewolfing out if I don't have it for like three or four days. I'm not even joking. I look at it and I'm like, oh, look, I'm really, I'm sort of turning into a werewolf again. But it does affect things like that, for sure. I mean, my hair's down to my bum. If right. listeners, I'm sitting here clothed. Yeah, <laughs> you can yeah, see, yeah, but, yeah. but it's all the way down. But it's full, like you know, it's a, it's a real. You've you've got proper hair. Let's not muck yeah, around. It's yeah. very. It's full. It's migrated from everywhere else. I suspect. Yeah, it's but it's kind of. It wouldn't be out of place on for Howard Stern or <laughs> Slash it, from Guns N' Roses. Slash. Yeah, but you've got Slash's hair, <laughs> which is. But but do you know what I mean as far as rock and roll hair goes, <laughs> yeah, it's up there. Thanks. And is it is it naturally it's, curly or have you? It's naturally curly, but it's not naturally black. I'm ginger. I'm a ginger through and through. Oh yeah, yeah I am. Yeah, I get a ginger beard. Do you really? Do you really? Yeah. Have you ever had it for a show? I've never seen you with a ginger beard. No, I'll show you a photo if you. Yeah, want. I'd love to see your little um, ginger beard. Yeah, and it is a little ginger beard. Hang Does on. it? And it sort of catches the light ginger hair in a in a very special way. Even mine, like actually, if you put it in the sunlight, you can see the ends. You shouldn't just dye your listeners. You shouldn't dye your I mean, entire that's, hair. That's really up close. Look at that. That's proper. Yeah. That's proper. Yeah. Oh, well done. Yeah, but do you know the honest truth now? Yeah. Um, I've really started getting grey. Yeah. Grey around the bottoms there. Okay, a little and accent. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's sort of... Because I've always been the young kid yeah. in stand-up, yeah. and it's a really funny thing where you suddenly go, I'm 43, I still kind of dress in the same way that I did when I was a kid. Yeah. Are you happy holding that mantle? Because th no, I, I don't think that will ever go away, though, but it's, and it's a good it, thing. It's so odd, though, isn't it, that you just kind of... 
that my dad's kind of young looking and I've, I just wear jeans and t-shirts is what I wear. Yeah. It was never like a conscious decision to kind of go, I must be the young kid. Yeah. But it's that funny thing when you suddenly go, oh God, I've got a bit of grey around the beard. Should I wear a suit? But, it, then if I wear, <laughs> but if I wear a suit, I look like a guy that's wearing a suit. I look like an estate agent. You look like a, three kids standing on each other's shoulders yeah, trying to get a beer. But I, or, or, <laughs> yeah. a, or a sort of championship footballer from from uh, Denmark. Or, yeah. I don't have... Or a, a social media app inventor that's now in court. Yes. Because right now it looks like you've made, you've made an amazing app. You're yeah. just like you've made an amazing app. Yeah, man. It's funny, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? It's um, So that's so interesting. So you look at that, you look at the, the marijuana seed and does that transport you back to a simple time? Yeah. Or is it just the joke? What this, is it about that marijuana seat? It is the whole milieu, is that the word? The whole thing, the whole being young and naive and not having learned yet what you can sort of get away with. And mm. and I, I, was in, I was in bands. I was a proper nerd and I got plucked from obscurity and popped into the front of a rock and roll band and suddenly I'm... Yeah, I was the singer. Yeah, okay. I couldn't play music until everyone else went to uni, including my friend Ben. And then I had to learn how to play an instrument quick, otherwise I'd be left behind. But that whole thing, man, I miss having that sort of sense that the world's going to last forever. And presumably as well, that moment when you join a band, yeah. because it's a, it's a fantasy that everyone has, but it's so scary to kind of turn to your, to your mates and say, who, who fancies joining a band? Because then the rest of the school could find out <laughs> and you're done. Yeah. But, but I was always, as a football boy, Mate. I was mates with kids in bands as well. Mate. I would look at that side of the playground and just go, they're so brave. Like if you play up front in a football team, that's the equivalent of being the front man in a band. But it's so safe. Right. Because if I score a goal when I'm 14... That's a hit single. <laughs> do, like, do you know what so I mean? right. And everyone's seen that's it so and everyone true. likes that single. And it's very, a hat trick when you're 14 is like all the girls singing Watermelon Sugar. <laughs> because it is, it's just like, oh my God, he got a hat trick. So this kid, true. top of the pops. And also it's an expression that's kind of expression of skill. You got, yeah. The ball went in the goal. That's what you're supposed to do. It didn't require any artistic interpretation, although yeah. you could say it is a beautiful game. No, and no, there was a you're completely right. But, but so all the feelings are, are transplanted or supplanted into the reactions of the people watching you. And it's like, that's why football people have such emotional reactions to yeah. football. But in a band, all that feeling's on your sleeves from the moment you sign up to be in a yeah. band. So it's all about feelings, and maybe back then you're not supposed to know what your feelings are. Are you always supposed to keep? I don't know. As a as a young man, it's it's odd having lived both sort of genders and expressing feelings in different ways. Yeah, but it, all, the the great thing about music is that music is there's nothing deeper. But the, sure. it's liquid emotion, isn't it? And it's yeah. like no goal has ever made you like it makes you go yes, <laughs> but it doesn't make you sway. Right. It doesn't create a mood that's the majesty yeah. of music but the the guts it takes as a kid yeah. to kind of go we're going to put our our mark on it yeah the, uh, the reason i joined the band is because i was a little michael jackson fan and i did oh, yeah. i did the dancing i did all the thing and everything and adam the the guitarist of the band he came up to me one day and he said jordan do you uh do you fancy coming and doing your michael jackson shit over the top of our stuff that was his exact words um and that was it so it, was, it sort of had a very staccato <laughs> vocal sort of style to it for a while and then it became grindcore we were a grindcore band. What's a grindcore? Uh, grindcore is sort of like death metal, yeah. um, but maybe a little bit more slow and dreary and, and mathematically technical. And uh, not from my perspective, I'm just going... Raw, 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 raw. Not like literally, but I won't do it here because we break the mic. But... So, so, wow, that's a journey. So you yeah. went from Michael Jackson yeah. to death metal. Death metal, yeah. Jesus. Death metal. We were called Silent Feedback. 
So you went from Billy Jean is not my lover to I killed Billy Jean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the name of our first song. What What was the name of your first song? Uh, I don't. I will say it, but it's so base and stupid. It's called Necrophilia. Right. It's called. Necrophilia. Yeah, it's called, of course it was because it was yeah. a, a band. Um, yeah. I didn't name it. That was a big theme with our band. Is I would give these really long pretentious names, which I now in retrospect know that they were pretentious at the time. I thought they were brilliant, and then they'd go through a process of the band of like we're not going to call it that, and they call it something else like Necrophilia. Necrophilia. That was probably called like the. Journey of, of Queen Amidala through the desert of space or something like that. And yeah. they've gone, no, call it necrophilia because we're a death metal band. And was it about necrophilia? Uh, I growled a lot. And I didn't have the feeling of necrophilia in my heart as I performed. So, yeah, yeah. I, no, I think it, for me it was just monosyllabic grunts. But technically, the guitarist and the bassist might have had a different interpretation <laughs> of the story. But maybe. He's not funny. So, that, so you thought it was from the perspective of the dead person trying to get the living person away from them. Oh, cool. <laughs> like, oh just... that's, that's blowing my mind. But do you know what I mean? And no they were like, so. no, because like, <laughs> what, like, there's different grunts. <laughs> there are. And, yeah, you'd need David Attenborough to figure out what those sounds mean. Yeah. They're, they're very animalistic. The so, little, sorry to interrupt you, the little physical mo- <laughs> movements that you make to accompany your stories are absolute gems. They're so sweet. What do you mean? Your physicality is so sweet. You just do these little things. Oh, okay. You've yeah. always done it. but I'm like, a fidgeter. Yeah. But seeing it in 3D in real time, right up close, is really endearing and oh, sweet. Oh, that's funny. It must, be that, it must be that odd thing that you forget that people have grown up on me. Right. So it's that odd thing. I get that a lot with kind of kids that will just be like, I used to watch you when I was young. And it is, and then they they have that sort of similar thing of like, be you, be you now, and you're like, and they're like, it's often I get that all the time. You all right? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. I'm just not on stage at the minute. Exactly. But what's happening? Yeah. Nothing really. But um, <laughs> so I'm interested by that. And so, does it feel like a re-meet with your friend Ben? Yeah. Or is that a are you meeting for the first time? Oh, that's it is a remeet because I'm a different person in confidence wise. I think he was always the sort of the showman and I was sat at the back. I, I sort of played piano while he played guitar and was twinkling around. Yeah. But meeting him now, it's a, such a proud feeling to be able to bring an old friend to see you sort of smash a room somewhere. I can't yeah. remember where we were. Bristol, he was in Bristol. Oh great. Yeah. And it was just it's really nice. He came to support with his new partner and he's he's like clean and sober and everything. Like really he's gone bless him, he's gone through so much. And we and we talked about that story, the little mar- marijuana seed, so that's why it's on my brain. Yeah. There is something nice about meeting your male friends after you've transitioned because they're, they're going perhaps for like a really strong handshake <laughs> and then deflect it with like maybe it's a hug or maybe it's a little kiss on the cheek. That's bold. When you get like a proper blokey guy that you knew and when I was like a lad, lad, yeah. and then one of them lads would be like, oh, I think it's really sweet. It's and really do you nice. find, is it always fine? I think it's self it's a self-policing situation. So if there was awkwardness, those people don't tend to show up. So I'm spared that, which right. is kind of, I mean, yeah, I don't know if that's healthy or not. I, I'm, I'm, I'm universally, I'm a very, very lucky person. Everyone's really supportive and nice yeah. in physically in person. I've, no, no one's ever said anything unusual Mm-mm. on purpose. See, uh, tell me if this is fucking. Boring. I brought up size eleven feet in the first ten seconds. But, this is not on you, man. But, this is on me. Have you have you always known? Nah. That's interesting. No, definitely not. Uh, was a proper. Lad, if you met me, you probably would say I was not a lad. You was probably well more of a lad than I was. I wasn't like a lad, lad, but I definitely didn't have any uh, any aspirations to transition until I was about 22, 23. And I was I was in Sweden, and uh, I was chopping firewood in the forest for the winter, and I was shirtless with jeans. And there's all these lovely Swedish girls, and I, I went out of a couple of them as well. They're proper beautiful. And then I just remember having the axe above my head, and I had that a really weird moment of like, this is not my body, this is not my brain. It's very, very strange. So if I had to pinpoint it to a moment, it was like this weird sort of uh, lumberjack 
masculinity moment that just wasn't gelling with my psychology. And after that, shirt back on, axe down. And then after that, it was like a really slow process to realising that something something wasn't right. Wow. I always felt like an alien. Right. Yeah. But then I think lonely sort of kids do feel like aliens, don't they? I don't know. Wow, that's so interesting. So alcohol, the saying no to alcohol was born out of a, a failed novel. And saying no to your male body came about an axe, Sweden, wood chopping. <laughs> it's it's sort like, of like there's always something kind of yeah deep and tremendous about your big changes in life. That's a nice way of framing it. What do you it, eat? Yeah. Do you eat meat? No, no, never. Oh, no, not, of course I have before, but not for... And when did you realise? Because I have a feeling this, like, it feels like there's going to be a thunderstorm yeah, I was, and a shepherd's um, going to turn to you and say, it is time. I was chasing a white whale. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and he looked me in the eye. Yeah. And I um, I, my, my wife, bless her, she's, uh, she's vegan through and through. And I, I was lucky enough to transition into v- vegetarianism as the fast food chain started up in their game in that department. Oh. Good, aren't they? Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Are you? Are you? I've sort of, I, I yeah. sort of dally. Yeah. But mine is out of a sort of health thing. Uh, are you? I'm. I've, I've just passed a, a kidney stone like a few days ago. Oh, which is meant to be. It's the worst, man. Yeah. It's so bad. I will. Um, I, I, Epsom salts, apparently. It's good for you. Very good way of getting them through. Am I right in saying that's meant to be the most excruciating pain a kidney stone? It's quite validating as a transgender woman to have experienced something that other women describe as being more painful than childbirth. <laughs> it's like, right. okay, I've been through at least one of those sort of rites of passage because yeah. I'm never going to have a baby, probably. But you can't put that in a pram. <laughs> like, like, if you put a kidney stone in a pram. Bonkers behaviour. Yeah, mad. What did they look like? Um, it broke up before it got out of me. So I was I was passed out. I had a seizure and I passed out um, oh, when they took blood and stuff out. So oh. I came out while I was but not it, conscious. Did you not want to see it? Uh, I've, I've looked at pictures of them online. Not my own. Yeah. Mine, mine aren't available <laughs> to be perused online. I, I wouldn't have... No, what are we dealing with? Is it like a, like like an avocado seed? Little white. Or smaller? Yeah. Great. Yeah, no, sm- how big is it? Oh, no, got bloody hell. Small, small. Oh, my God, that's really just like right. visceral shock you, in my tummy. You know, I don't want to piss that. No, no. Oh, you piss it. You, you, it either breaks up in your kidneys or you piss it out. I, I'm lucky enough that it probably broke up before I weed it out, but I was on so many painkillers by the time I would have weed it out. <laughs> Imagine pissing an avocado. Yeah, I just, <laughs> just, in my mind's eye, it would, it would just like, it's like a snake that stopped a ping pong battle. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just like, sorry. Yeah, I mean, that would be the... Yeah. Even a grain of salt coming out of where it shouldn't is not a nice idea, but it's a, maybe a little bit bigger than a grain of table yeah, salt. My goodness. But the point is, drink water and eat. I think I was just not, wasn't eating enough. And then also, when you don't eat, but you think, I'll have a cup of tea, a cup of tea, a cup of tea. It's full of oxidates that form those, those crystals. Yeah. Yeah. Presumably it's one of the rare moments in life where you'd be thankful of having a tiny penis. <laughs> like, because... Because uh, like, it's like, got a lot of far to go. It doesn't go. have to go as far. That's but can you great. Imagine if you had, like, a massive That's cock great. and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> 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 Just hours. You've been complaining since Tuesday. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> God, that'd be awful. That's great. What's the next thing you want to put in the box? I'd love to put into the box a, a bucket of water. Okay. Russell Howard. Nice and simple. Yeah. It's always a good thing to have a bucket of water. If you're thirsty, it's good. Yeah. If there's a fire, it's good. Yeah. If you're a clown in the circus, probably a good thing. Yeah. It's also good to have an empty bucket if you've got a surplus of water, which is the story that I'd love to sort of touch on. If you've got okay. too much, there's too much water in a situation, an empty bucket's a good thing to have. Um, I'm very lucky to be able to say I'm a comedian, I'm a working comedian. And uh, I had a killer Edinburgh fringe last year. It you was, did. It like, was, as far as killer fringes go, 
it felt like nobody had heard of you and then suddenly everybody in comedy had heard of you. Magic. It was proper bonkers and magic. I'm so grateful to everything that happened. But like, um, so I was in a, a, sh- a shipping container at the edge of George Square, which is like the hub of activity. It's really nice to be there. But... That was a venue. <laughs> like, <laughs> that wasn't... I was that's where they go, listen, you're a trans comic. This is where we're going to have to put you. Like, it was, yeah. it had seats. Just me and Bethany Black in the it... dark thing. Like, what the fuck's going on it, But it, it had seats. It was... It's quite nice. Actually. It was a nice yeah. room. But nice, yeah. apart from one night where the heavens opened, and I say it's a shipping container, so I don't think it's designed to really withstand a biblical storm. But there's a proper storm. Yeah. Like God heard about the show and he wasn't a fan <laughs> or something. Got really rainy. Um, and I'm well, maybe God heard about the show yeah. and was angry because he couldn't get a ticket. That's it. That was yeah. actually probably was selling out. Likely, probably sold out. This was when it had just kicked off, so it was day. Th- Four or something and, and it sold out on day three because we got a lovely review on day two and nobody came on day one it was like a real quick yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and on day four the heavens opened and I was like oh no everything's just gone great and we're going to have to cancel this show tonight and it sold out and I'm so I'm embarrassed and I'm really sad and this isn't fair and uh, all they could come up with was lots of duct tape and a bucket of water as this it was dripping onto my keyboard and um, you're probably aware that a keyboard is an electrical device yeah, yeah. so <laughs> it sure. probably shouldn't have any water on it yeah. They managed to fix it and they stuck a bu- bucket of water, but we're half an hour late at this point and there's no one left outside queuing. I was like, oh God, this is so, it's so sad. We might as well just cancel. And they opened the door anyway and it was this wonderful sort of filmic moment where um, one person walked in. I was like, oh, well, this is awful, but fair enough. Okay, they've stayed like wet as like a rat in the sea, proper, like proper wet. Uh, and then another person come in, another person come in and every single person had been standing out there in the rain for half an hour without anything at all to come and see the show. And it proper warmed my heart. The reason there's a bucket is because, I said a bucket, is because uh, that bucket remained on stage throughout the show and I kept sort of leaping over it like a sheep over a fence. Each of every joke, I made a point of the fact there was a bucket on the stage. Yeah. But my granddad come that night to see the show and he'd never seen me before and as far as he was concerned is it was just his grandson was doing comedy he doesn't know anything about any but, but he's such a such a sweet man but he yeah. would he doesn't know the difference and he sat there for an hour watching as it was dripping out the ceiling and i'm leaping about and i'm being an idiot and i end my show in the nude i'm nude at the end big old crazy fun applause and stuff and uh, he just didn't laugh once in the whole show and then he got up at the, oh it was making me emotional he got up at the end and he with his little walking stick it's quite a small room and he just took five steps over to me while everyone was cheering and he put his arms around me and put his walking stick up in the air and he was like, she's amazing. Oh, and he just figured out in the hour that I'd be, like, I was a woman, that like, he'd figured it out watching the show without it just sort of gurning at me the whole time like, with his little two little teeth sticking out the bottom. Right? The, and he figured it out. The majesty of granddads, man. Yeah, man. They're a magical thing. <laughs> they are. They, no, they're, 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 I, yeah, I, I agree. I have such a deep relationship with my granddad that I'm imagining how much that must have meant as far as reviews go, yeah. can anything compete with a hug from your granddad? In the nude, after you've... Uh, it was like the and most the, wholesome thing. It was, just so it was yeah. like being a little baby again, and he was yeah. just picking up his little grandkid that's now like and a granddad. But it's, all, it's sort of... There's, there's a pride there, but there's also a protection. Yeah. There's... Uh, she is one of my own. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a... Yeah, and God. he shuffled in. Like, he's, he needed help to get in. But then he's got up of his own accord at the end and like walked on to like... You've healed thing. him. Yeah. Let's <laughs> not muck around. Biblical. But then the day after and for a few days... What if he started like... doing cartwheels? That would have been <laughs> fucking incredible. It's the power of yeah. transgenderism, man. We saves the world. Had you met him as a woman? I had, but ju- just kind of... It was never brought up in those conversations. Because how can you possibly... Yeah, yeah. So he gets to see you through your art form 
Yeah. And telling all the stories, turning yourself inside out for comedy, like it, the, at its rawest. You can't go away from that show and not realise that I at least think I'm a woman. <laughs> like Whatever your opinion is, you know the story is very clear that I believe myself to be a female. Yeah. So he got that in a massive dose. And then uh, for a few days after, I was the comedian. I wasn't Jordan Gray. It was like, oh, you're that comedian whose granddad got up and gave her a hug in the middle of the, at yeah. the end of the show. It was proper sweet because it's like a lovely little story. Powerful man, I love that, and he's a lovely man as well. He's not like a bigoted man, he just didn't have the information, and I don't think he'd have processed it, but then he got it. That's such an interesting thing because that's that's how most people are. Most people don't have the information, yeah, and everything's so binary. And like, if if you want to follow it, it's like old people don't understand, young people do. It's not that simple, is it? Can we put your granddad in the box? Yeah, 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 he deserves a sit down after that, exactly. Um, I love that. What's next? Let's chuck a, a boob, a boob, a boob implant, a breast implant, I think, a lovely yeah. breast implant. Um, I brought a couple with me today, but I can't give them or show them to you. They're attached and they yeah. will probably remain that way for the rest of my life. Sure. I've got boobs and I like them. They're brilliant and getting them was uh, very validating. It's really nice. When, when you're in the arts, everything's kind of, um, I've got a very soft landing with all of my experience of being transgender because it's sort of a left-leaning, well-meaning industry anyway. So it's it was, the uh, point is my boobs were done on TV, they were they were done for an ITV documentary called Transformation Street. So I really? had the surgery on a on a show with whatever four cameras pointed at me, which is a good time to get a boob job because they're not going to fuck that up. It's going to be the best boob job I've ever seen in your <laughs> life. You know, that's a really good point. Yeah, do it. if you're thinking about it, I know a guy. The pressure guy. they're under. Yeah. So when you when you first have the boobs, yeah, are you grabbing them? <laughs> but what? Like I'm I'm just I'm just like naively I'm I'm doing what I would do. I'm probably yeah. I'm. They're probably incredibly sore, I would imagine. Very sore. Uh, my first but ever come, gig as a stand-up come week was... week one, I think yeah. I'm touching them a Giving lot. them a good... Yeah, yeah. Twisting them around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, first ever gig as a stand-up was the day after I had my boob job. So I went on stage with all the wrap-ins and, oh and a dressing gown. I went on stage with the dressing gown thinking, oh, this will be my thing from now on. And then I, <laughs> and I had to learn very quickly that comedy's not just having a silly outfit, <laughs> a yeah. silly haircut and this accent. You have to do jokes as well. Yeah. So I, I dropped the dressing gown after a few shows. But yeah, I went on like proper high on whatever they gave me and, and this a really like strong harness to hold everything in. So and presumably you spoke about that. Yeah. And that was the first time you did stand up. Yeah, man. That's so interesting. And had you thought about doing stand up before you transitioned? No, never before I transitioned. Wow. No, I was a I was a So I find that genuinely fascinating. That that is life two life-changing things happened in a week. Like to do stand up and to get boobs. That is, that, those are two huge things. I think it's quite, it maybe speaks to not wanting to have anything superfluous in my life. I like to get things out of the way. Yeah. You're, so, sorry to interrupt again, you're so lovely in the way you, you have these interviews because you're genuinely super interested in people. And I hear, oh, I'm sort of aspiring to be a presenter and you always hear like, you're not going to be able to do it unless you've got a genuine interest in people. I don't think I'd ever have the level of interest in people that you've got in people that you talk to. You, well, you, you, you get so deep into it. But it, Because I'm sort of, I'm imagining what that must be like yeah. to... I don't know if there's a fear that comes with it of suddenly... It's a bit like having acne when you're a kid. You feel like yeah. everyone is looking. And I wonder right. if it's a bit like that. You're, you're, you're now a woman. Yeah. You've got boobs. Presumably you feel everyone is looking at your boobs. There is a there is a bit of that. So I transitioned... Like, transitions are like a funny word, isn't it? Because it, it never stops. It sort of slowly starts and never stops. So I'd already come out as as a woman like... Two or three years before. Oh right, okay. Yeah, but but the boobs are a, are a big step, aren't they? Because yeah. while they are reversible, it's not something most people do is go back on yeah. a lovely set of knockers. They're there. Yeah. They're there now forever. I don't think I've felt scared for 
20 years of, about anything at all. Fear just doesn't really... Really? Yeah, nothing at all. The things that might might be scary, the only things that ever blip... I was scared the other day when I passed out and had a seizure and yeah. passed a kidney stone. Yeah. That was scarier than getting boobs. But it is, it's a big step, I guess, for other people. I've, most of the big things that I've gone through in my life, I suppose, I go through on my own quite happily, always with a wonderful amount of support. But in the moments when they're happening, I'm not like holding someone's hand saying, I'm, I'm really scared. Mm. Just like, just process this, just go through it. That's very interesting, isn't it? Because I wonder if that comes from, we can't come from stand-up, that, come, that must come from the, the stoicism that you get from going, I know this for a fact. I, I I am a woman, and this is where we. That's go. so true. Yes, yes. So presumably, right. doing stand up is pretty easy, like in terms of facing fear down. Yeah, it is now. Like a, a big crazy live show on TV or something is the only thing that really ever blips the radar of oh. God. Wake up, come on now. But when I do stand up, I'm always balancing. I think I might have done it on your show a little mm-hmm. bit. I sort of stand on my foot a lot. And that's to keep me from like going into autopilot because you can't, when you're balancing, you're, you've are you got to be in the room. So it's like, I'm not that I'm going to fall asleep in the middle of a show. That is mad. But yeah. it stops you from re- reverting to just like muscle memory because there's yeah. an audience of people that deserve you to be more than just muscle memory. Yeah. So... So that's why I'm balancing on one foot. So flamingo is very present. Yeah, that's it. That's my spirit animal, I suppose, isn't it? The old flamingo. Is that I've never heard that before. So when you balance, you're in the now. That's my way of doing it. And I didn't do it on purpose. The first few times I did it, people used to take the piss out of me all the time. Like, <laughs> I was that person. Yeah. And then I realised that's what clearly what I'm doing. When you sat down for half your sex, and I play piano, Mm-mm. you're just in a flight simulator, a comedy flight simulator. I'm just, I've played this song a million times. So to do something like, for example, stand on one foot and try and play the piano with the end of your foot, and you can't. You can't do that on autopilot, yeah, and it yeah. keeps things fresh, and they deserve a little bit of jeopardy. The, f- the fact I might fall down and die oh, is, yeah. is a big part of it. It's just, what's the next thing? Palm sweat. Palm it's, sweat. It's a sweat that you get on your palms. Okay, so like there yeah. or there? Oh, the, on with? the back. You've pointed to the front and the back of your hand, Russell Howard. I don't the, know anyone that's ever had sweat on the back of their palm. Well, that's the palm, right? The, yeah, the palm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Have I you ever experienced what... it on the back, like sort of a little... I don't know. I'm just sort of thinking. Yeah, I don't really I think I don't think I get that sweaty there. Like Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park where he's doing the thing on the back of his hand. Have you met have you met Jeff Goldblum? No, have you? Yeah. Is he exactly like Jeff Goldblum? Yeah, he's I mean I saw him doing he was hosting a Montreal comedy festival. And they normally have celebrities hosting. A lot of comics struggle following. Yeah. Because he's just so... You just want to spend more time yeah. watching him. He's just his own kind of guy. He's this guy. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. And guy. it's like yeah. he's so... His hands are <laughs> impossible not to look at. Like right. in the Grand Budapest Hotel, he's, yeah. when he's kind of doing all that. Gesticulating with his, yeah. yeah. He looks man. like he'd be a great pianist. Yeah. Oh, do, I bet. Do you know what I mean? He, isn't he? He plays jazz, right? I'm sure he's a jazz pianist. Does he? Yeah, yeah I think yeah, he's got a jazz sense. album with his jazz band. Yeah, he's a singular man. So go on, sorry. Oh, yeah. I, for, I wondered how we got to yeah, it. So chaos palm theory. Sweat. Palm sweat. Um, I think it just speaks back to that feeling of I've not been af- I've not been afraid since I was a I was a young person, but the feeling of fear of going to hold your first boyfriend or girlfriend's hand, I remember it like so vividly. It was in the Lakeside Shopping Centre in Essex where I'm from, yeah, yeah. and we were supposed to go see a film, and I, can't, I think I didn't have enough money to buy the ticket or something, but it didn't matter because we were together, uh, and we we're just walking down what used to be Brompton Walk, which is not there anymore inside, and just she had these like uh, uh, fingerless gloves on, so sh- she was dealt with her sweat if any was being wicked up by the yeah. thing I didn't have any such protection and I just remember sliding into the hand and being like 
I'm so sorry that my hand's so sweaty. I'm so sorry you have to experience this. That's never really gone away in my life. I'm so sorry you have to experience the fact that I'm here. Yeah. But like her, she, her, her she was of, wearing fingerless gloves. How, yeah. Was she like 80 or? Like, <laughs> are you going out with Fagin? Like, well, how old was this girl? Pickpocket, my pickpocket. Yeah, girlfriend. but who the? Yeah, you're right. She was um she was a little goth like me. Oh, both prof, prof, okay, fine, fine. But yeah. that is the Venn diagram, isn't it? It's yeah, goths goth, and, fa- and, and pickpockets yeah, yeah. and old ladies. Market sell salesman, that's about it. Yeah. So go on, sorry. Um, and just that, that feeling that I'm never going to have again of being nervous to like hold someone's hand. I love my wife and I like her hands, but they don't sweat and neither do mine anymore. It's like that feeling of the, the fact that it can only happen once is why this feeling is so special. Yeah, I think, I think Dan, can you check this? I think nostalgia, the translation to that is the word pain is in there. Sickness and, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think right. It's, it's, yeah. it's the pain... That it will never happen again. Right. I think that's what it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, a pain or a sickness of the past. Is that right? Something I think like it that? might be that. Yeah, I and think it, that, right. the word nostalgia has sort of morphed a bit. Whereas we think of it like, oh, those golden times. But mm. it's actually where it's the sadness. But the it's the Greek nostros for return and algos for pain. The return of the pain. Oh, return of it. the pain. Yeah, that's the next Fast and Furious film, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's great. Because every time we remember something, we're remembering it. The last time we remembered it, right? So, like, so every you think back to a childhood friend, you're remembering the last time you thought about them, not the original memory. And every time you build that memory, it's layered in more layers of, I'm getting older, my knees hurt, I haven't seen them for a while. So it's all that pain is being loaded into your memory of them as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instantly, now we're talking about that. I've gone to a memory. It's 1990. My brother's just scored the winner in the Cub Scout tournament against Oxford. And just before he hits it in, my mum goes, "Go on, Daniel." (laughs) And he rockets it, bottom left corner, and all my mates from our village lift him up. He was eight, we were ten. He was very, very small, but he was our best player. And he hadn't hit the ball on target in the whole tournament. And then in the final, he got the win. Oh, man. But I sort of, it's so beautiful, and yet we will never be those same boys. Yeah. Where the summer holidays were years and yet minutes. Like, you know what I mean? It's that. It's such a funny thing, isn't it? Yeah. That's the role that art plays, isn't it? The tangibility of art, particularly music, can act as the kind of wallpaper. You hear the song and then you see the wallpaper and then you're back to the kind of memory. So incredible. So you're processing music in a different part of the brain, right? The semantic connections that you make to it are so much more powerful. And it's why um, I think it's Darren Brown teaches that trick where you can learn a list of 100 things if you just make it into a story rather than remembering the words of the letters. Yeah. Because we process things deeper when there's a story attached to them. It's why a game of football is an emotional thing. The goal itself doesn't necessarily mean something, but when it comes at the end of a turbulent story of a player that got brought on and off and off pitch, they had an injury or whatever and it's that that story so important so yeah music you process it so deeply music and and then magically for whatever reason smells smells they're they're so powerful right but by all accounts that's a really great way of revising when you're a kid if you're kind of struggling remembering something you sniff a bit of like lavender right you can then be in the exam lavender just give it a whiff um, cheeky, cheeky little bit of a... What was your memory that you went to? Can you? I just remembered when my mum walked in and stood on my Sega Mega Drive when I got to the last level of Pac-Man, which uh, is level 100. Yeah, yeah. I just remember at the time, 
just uh, couldn't process the emotions. When you were a kid, you just go, what did you just do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and nobody believed me that the level 100 flashes, like it's just a wall of light. And I'm not, I'm not lying to you, but, yeah, yeah. but you've got no evidence to believe that because it's really hard to get to level 100. I was probably playing it for 12 hours. And she came on and stood in it and was like, dinner's ready. And I just remember, <laughs> remember this weird sinking feeling of, oh, I guess all the magic of my life is over now. It's never going to get back to 100. And I remember it all the time. And each time I just add more layers to it, knowing my mum better now, she's not some monster that came in and stood on my Sega Mega Drive, which is what I thought at the time. She was just preparing meal for her kids. I love that. But the, and then, so that ends, and then you have to go to a dinner table. Please tell me you had to eat, <laughs> you had to eat peas. And just, just eating these peas, just going, you just bitch. lining them up in a row. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Little pretzel at the but end. Of all well. the things. God, it's oh. funny that, isn't it? We had such a thing when we were kids. Me and my brother used to have a thing called cup cereal. Where what we did, we put cereal right. into a cup and just kind of pretend <laughs> that we were drinking, <laughs> and and just kind of eat it like that. Because so um, most cereal is essentially a dessert nowadays, isn't it? What yeah, was the cereal though? We used to have uh, it was like Frosties. Yeah, that's just more, and, more but you sort of eat it like that. And then we had a game called Sensible Soccer, and we weren't allowed to play that like sort of after like seven o'clock. It was kind of like you know, winding down time, yeah. Coronation Street, the upper hand. This was our code. Um, Daniel would sort of look at me and go, you are uh, you feeling sensible? And I'd go, yeah, I'm pretty sensible, lad. Like that. And then we would leave. Just feel like we tricked her. But it's... it's That's great. Memories, I don't know, it's... The older you get, it's so seldom you have those moments where your brain... Like, I haven't thought about eating cereal for a cup for so long, and yeah. yet it transports you back to this... Just such a simple time where yeah. all you had to do was trick your mother into eating Frosties and play sensible soccer. <laughs> Can you remember what you said to your mum when she uh, ruined your I Mega Drive? I think it might be the first time I ever sort of made a loud sound in the house that was not of joy. Mm. <laughs> I remember just being like, ah! If I had the language, it would have been, fuck! Yeah. But it was just, ah! Can you remember the first time you swore? <gasps> yes! Oh my God, that's unlocked a memory! Oh, I was in school and um, all the kids <laughs> the kids were like swearing in a group outside like they were trading cigarettes. Like, yeah. I've got a swear word. <laughs> it was so good. We were all saying animals that had swear words in the name. So someone would be like, have you heard of an ass? It's like a donkey, but you say ass. And then somebody else was like, there's this thing called like a, I don't know, a fuck, focaccia or whatever. Was maybe it's like a focaccia, focaccia, but you say fuck up. And I made one up because I wanted to be one of the gang. Oh, <laughs> this is so stupid. I was like... There's a frog in the jungle. It's called a cunt frog. And then I just like walked away. Like I like I dropped like this oh. amazing. It's called a cunt frog. You can have that. I think the, I the think, walk away. Yeah. That's the moment, is it? When yeah, apparently it's called a cunt frog. Anyway, I got a bounce <laughs> because uh, we're going to learn about erosion. I got into the uh, the door of my limo like Richie Rich and just left. <laughs> <laughs> just left the school. What's um what's the next thing? I'm enjoying this so much. Ah oh, man, it's this such is a, a lovely chat. That's why I like doing this show. It's every episode feels very different. Yeah. And if this feels like we're really excavating here, it feels oh, like we're kind of finding stuff out. That's what? really gone deep, that one. Uh the last item I'd like to add into this now quite full uh wonder box is my entire actual wife. She's brilliant. Lovely stuff. Bloody what, love my what, wife. When did you meet your wife? Met my wife nine years ago. Um, I was playing a, a music festival in Manchester called Sparkle, which is the transgender music festival in the UK. And it's weird when I tell people that story because it's like my whole life is just about being transgender. It just happens to be that one festival. Yes. And she wandered in looking for and some alcohol, I think, with some friends. Never seen a transgender person, but she's, a, she's like a little bohemian, so nothing really has any labels for her anyway. So she didn't know what she was looking at, but she wouldn't have 
thought to question it either. All these transgender people walking around and were you, uh, performing. I was hosting. I was hosting. Yeah. But were you uh, a woman? Then, yes, right, yes, that's yeah. right. Yes, yeah, so I transitioned maybe two years into the process. Okay. And I had a big afro, like this this hair I've got now, but heading out in all directions. Yeah. And uh, she she wrote to me afterwards. She's gone on a deep dive on my YouTube and looked at all my old music videos. And she wrote to me to ask if she could have some lyrics, which is really sweet. She sent it to me today as well. I was sitting out there. She sent me the original text that she sent me nine years ago saying, hello, um, she's Czech. So English as well is beautifully broken. It's so sweet. She's like a little bohemian bond villain um i am for i am i foreign uh, i like your lyrics i'm not gonna do the accent i like your lyrics uh can you please send so i can sing along like at home she was singing along oh and then um, i really fancied her um, and then a year later anyway she um she met me at the same festival and then a year later she proposed at the same festival in wow. some mud i pushed her in the mud because i got all embarrassed and like dainty about it so that's very interesting, isn't it? Because that's one of the few things I would say that still remains in terms of the man proposes. Right. So, so right, did right. you feel like... Oh, I know what you mean. I do know you know what I mean? Yeah, like it, 100%. It, it's sort of that weird thing where yeah. you, when she proposed to you, was there yeah. part of you thinking, oh, I should have done that. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> no, but, no the, uh, I know exactly what you mean, but the, but the opposite of like, I'm glad that... This happened to me. Yeah, because, yeah, because you're a woman, definitely. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It is. It's so gendered and it's so heteronormative. But like, but there's little things like being a bride. If someone asked me to be a bridesmaid at a wedding, I'm like, yeah, sure. And then turn around and be like, <laughs> like, like oh, thanks so much. Fuck, that's so interesting. Yeah, of course, little tiny things. Isn't um, that of course? So yeah. fuck yeah. It's silly thing opening a, a, this. It's so old. So if, trend, if yeah, I were to open a jar of pickles, right. like. <laughs> Which, to, to, but to, to someone will be like, "Fuck, do you think? What the fuck do you think I am?" Yeah. Pre- presumably, it's part of you thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like if we was married and you left the toilet seat up, I'd be like, oh, "How thoughtful." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really nice because I've got diff- I've got the same anatomy, presumably. If your car broke down and I went, "Sorry, I love all sorts," <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. So you could, I could get away with being really fucking sexist. Seventy seven <laughs> sexist, definitely, definitely. It's that. It's just built in. It's just in the DNA. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. And so, you thinking of more? You thinking of loads more But I'm just things. thinking. I'm just. It's so funny that the people that you would assume that have the biggest problem with this are inadvertently the people that that their behaviour is what you'd like the most. Oh right. Get, get indoors. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah Stay in there, you beautiful little thing. Like <laughs> these transgender women need to yeah. get back in the kitchen. But even the pronouns <laughs> would look at it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like there's no, there's no shoes. Fuck me. That's it. A comic reached out to me uh, recently and asked if it's right to call people bird, like a bird, like say bird for women. And I'm from Essex, and that's a term of endearment. We yeah, say yeah, bird. Yeah, yeah. It's in my name of my show. Is it a bird? I thought that's really unusual. It's really sweet. I didn't realise what words had entered sexist language, like bird. But it's very interesting. Do you feel like you're, because you're so approachable, do you feel like people are constantly saying, uh, do you want to get, can I, uh, is it okay? Do you get, you must get a lot <laughs> yeah. of that. Yeah, it's, it's nice. We're all in this together. We figure it out together. If I can be a little bit of help, but also I'm just one person. I don't represent a whole community. Yeah. I, well, I know what I think is all right, but I'm sure bird is perhaps... Like as an example, I'm sure regionally that probably has all sorts of different meanings. But it's funny, isn't it? It's like bird to some people is too much, misses to some people is too much. Yeah. You know? But then like, hey man, that doesn't bother me in the slightest. It's a term of endearment. It doesn't even mean man anymore. Yeah. But just hey, hey man. Like, 
geezer might be a bit squire might be a bit much yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right lads lads are quite strong but yeah. hey man that does it. there's some things that just they lose meaning didn't they sort of an Americanism in it like, yeah yeah dude I don't dude doesn't mean anything it's fine it's all good what was your wedding day like it was small and intimate and nice and our landlord was our witness wow she's really, yeah we're, t- we're just like we don't do anything superfluous I think the only thing she really cares about is she needs to have a balloon on her birthday it's really she <laughs> she grew up in like a, a hamlet like a Czech hamlet four people there it's mostly mud and chicken wire and I've been there and it really is it's like you see Rocky Four when he's training to fight yeah. the whole her whole town looks like where Rocky's fight training yeah. with little barns and like snow um, so and she doesn't she ever want anything she dreamt of being the fat kid from up <laughs> Well, she just wanted a, a balloon. Just that. So where does the balloon thing come in then? I think because she never had them as a kid. It, she grew up in Soviet Union, like before it right. like collapsed with her. Yeah. So she only wants a strawberry tart if they've got them in Tesco's and a balloon for her birthday. Have like, you taken on a hot air balloon? No, and she really wants that. Yeah, that's the apex of the balloon experience. My favourite hot air balloon story is, so in Bristol they have the hot air balloon festival and my mum and dad... Uh, used to live in Bath and it kind of like Bath's a bit of a gully so you, it feels like the hot air balloons are quite close to the houses oh man yeah and right my, okay my mum was calling my brother and she walked up to the top to tell him that tea was ready and my brother was naked and he was showing the hot air balloon people his ass. <laughs> So my brother, my mum saw my brother's cock, and my brother was just this, in this moment going, right? Like that. She was like, "Tea's ready," and he went, "Be here in a minute." Um, but we've never let him forget that. And that's also why I'd never go on a hot air balloon. I don't want to see my brother's anus. Yeah. No, I've sort of pictured as you as one of those people. Like first time I ever had to get on a motorbike to get from a gig to a gig, and I was oh, like, "I've never done oh. that." We've I mean, not done that before. No, so, no. Because no. every comic, so they they always say, "Oh, I remember the first time that happened." I was like, "Oh, it's like a comedian thing that you've just got to do it." But see, so you, you assume you were doing two shows. I did my live show at Soho, and then I had to go and close the. Channel for Live Comedy was the beginning of this year, so yeah. I came off stage and then I went straight off the motorbike, uh, mo- motorbike, motorcycle in my outfit straight onto stage as someone was doing a little puff of like makeup on my cheek as I walked past and then onto the stage. And that was another kind of breakthrough moment for you because I guess that's when the mainstream, I guess, became aware of you because that caused quite a splash. Oh well, yeah. I mean, the, my my Friday Night Live, Friday Night Live is when I, I, I disrobed at the end of my performance, mm. and then the, and then Channel Four thing. I was given the Breakthrough Comedy Award, which is what a couple of years. What though, a bloody eh? treat! It's been mad, man. Yeah. One of the coolest things I think is when you did Edinburgh. Did you win the award? No, you, I was nominated. You were nominated. The lovely you, Sam Campbell won the award. That's right. But you did win the award for Comics Comic. Oh, yeah. Which is, it's a bit like, you know, Football Writers Player of the Year, fine. Yeah. Players Player yeah, of man. the Year is, yeah, yeah. that's what we all want, isn't it? I cried more on stage than you, I think you're supposed to cry during a comedy like yeah. set. Um, my, Luckily, my producer, there was a bucket there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I, was, I finished the show I'm nude I'm there they moved us up to this big Spiegel tent and we were selling out selling out selling out and it was the last one of those and I didn't win the award and uh, lovely Ian McKellen had come to one of the shows and he said wow. yeah, so one of the tiny ones and then he sent me an email when I didn't win the main award saying um, I'm sure you're a little bit miffed but remember that the real reward is the love and laughter of the audience and I just read it out, and then my producer came up and was like, "We've not told Jordan, but she won comic comic like two days ago, and we kept it for this moment in case she didn't win the main award." I just got it, just bawling, tears all over my boobs. <laughs> just that, it's proper moment, man. So, are you working the next show up or the next TV show, or what? What is the? 
off the back of that show, um, I, I was offered too many TV shows for a person to do. It's okay. a lovely thing to have on yeah. offer. But so I'm inundated. I got to write and and be in all these shows and lots of unscripted stuff. Um, but yeah, I've, I've got the other show in the back of my head. But it is weird doing it in real time while you're on stage doing the old show for sure. Trying yeah. to figure out because it's it's too it did it, it made so much of a splash. It's like if I now try and make a bigger splash, perhaps it's going to be a problem. Like perhaps because trying to fight that, do I just do a really relaxed like Mark Maron with a microphone on a stall <laughs> show, or do I? I don't know. What do I do? Yeah, it's funny. And do you? Because I know who is the name of the guy that came. He came to the show with you, the, my TV show that you did. Ross McGrain. Ross. Ross McGrain. So Ross, am I right in saying, uh, helps run a comedy club? Yeah. And you came on and did the bits. At his club. Yeah, the Little Smash Comedy Club is where that's I... That's it, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so sweet that you remember that, man. But, that's but, like next level sweet. But I remember thinking that must be lovely to have a little place where you can go and work the stuff away from the songs up. Yeah. So do you still do that? 100%. So that's still your place? Oh, uh, this Sunday I'll be there, yeah. You, you, it's uh, the Alex in Southend and I'll, I'll go and work out stuff in five minutes and then when it comes time to the show, just stitch those six, five minutes together. Yeah. Yeah, well, that doesn't make sense. Mathematically, that doesn't make sense, but it's all in there. The so, songs are their own thing, yeah. But like the, so the songs you do the separately yeah. and then the stand-up that links the songs. Yeah, just go and work it out in front of... 30 people. I mean, it's been it's been selling out actually um, that that night for yeah. the last few months. But yeah, it's a, it's an open mic, man. It's... I think that's what a lot of people who don't know stand up comedy as as much as we do is that, that those are the spaces, aren't they? There's a brilliant club called Top Secret yeah, Comedy that, Club. That's the one. But that's... but in terms yeah. of like the up the creeks, Ch- like Chiswick headliners, those clubs where you can just go and try stuff out. That, that those are the most magical spaces because that's when you sort of see that you see a bit ignite or a bit just deflate or not work and yeah. and, and, and it's a proper barometer if, if you're any good or not I don't want to go into a room for the people that have been loving and admiring my story because I'm not going to get I mean that's obviously a wonderful thing to experience but I'm not going to get a good read am I on that yeah, room yeah. Um, I sat in the front row of Top Secret Comedy when I decided to want to be a comedian I quit music I I, I was a cleaner at a casino for two months just to, so I was doing something and I sat in the front row of Top Secret with a notepad every second or third night of the week for three months and more than one occasion a comedian like Jamali Maddox once he just looked at me and he was like what are you, what are you doing and he thought I was a reviewer like I was yeah, sat in the front bless him and I'd just be writing stuff like <laughs> hold the microphone to the left speak confidently like there was that level I was, I was I brand new I was just like a little baby wow yeah really fond memories of that I'm never going to have that again am I I'm never going to sit in the front row of a comedy club as a non-comedian and trying to figure out what's funny yeah, because now it's like it'd be like you're right Jordan <laughs> what, <laughs> what are you doing, doing? Uh, nothing <laughs> <laughs> but do are you nicking my stuff <laughs> but, oh, just... just the irony of you you're, you're going to have to uh Pretend to be somebody else <laughs> in the front row, <laughs> just dressed as a bloke, just to trick everyone. Oh my God. The fuck's going on, Jordan? Is that you? No, just uh, trying to learn. Is that a beard? So that <laughs> a little ginger beard going that's on. So yeah. interesting. So yeah. you were. So were you studying live specials? Like, as in, were you watching old comedy specials? 100%. Were you watching? Like, so you were yeah, in. yeah, I love it, man. You just you build build up a mental blueprint in the brain stuff that bounces off each like I'm a huge fan of uh, Maria Bamford yeah, and the co- the comedians of comedy like um that th- those guys like Patton Oswald and yeah, like and Sarah Silverman that rock and roll side of it it was happening when the rock and roll of comedy was kind of happening yeah. here as well and Werewolves and Lollipops one of the great yeah, specials man. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Maria Bamford as well is just we sort of knocked around with her I remember me her oh, John Oliver yeah years ago at Edinburgh and she was just this kind of this sort of girl that was just knocking around and then we sort of saw a show and you're like, 
Wow. And she's she's one of those one of those people that I don't know of anyone in American comedy that doesn't speak about her being in the top three. Right. Like in terms of just yeah. so herself. Yeah, singular like, comedian. Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. And so funny and like the maddest special. She done like specials in front of just her mum and dad. That was incredible. And that, that was incredible. Yeah. yeah. And she did a I listened to a podcast with her. It you know, it was a podcast with her and Mark Marin. Right. It's unbelievable where yeah. you hear Mark Marin like it couldn't be more fanboy. Right. To the point where Maria Bamford is a bit like, okay, Mark, maybe <laughs> no. But you could just see it's a bit like when people are into Bob Dylan. Like Bamford cuts deep with Marin. Like right. deep. Okay. Like she's such a big fan. Listen to me promoting other podcasts. But do honestly <laughs> listen to that. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've come to our time. That was so fascinating. Thank you for having me. It's so me, nice man. to kind of have a a ramble. Yeah. It was great, wasn't it? It's just lovely. Loved it. Loved it. It's nice to be able to sort of switch off your Cockney stage persona. Yeah. Mine, not yours. Yeah. <laughs> That's not your persona at all. <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> it's really weird. You're not talking yeah, in a Cockney exactly. accent today, Russ. Nah. And just chat with you and then find some some common ground and some funniness. Lovely talking to comedians, man. In it the best. Yeah. It's the one thing that staves off the loneliness. I'll be perfectly honest. It does make but, you feel less lonely. But it's the sad, the sad truth is you and me could talk for an hour before a gig in a way that your wife and my wife couldn't get close. Oh, and that's that, so but that's true. The, but it's the, sad, so it's the sadness that yeah. you kind of go, look, I'm going to have to talk to someone else who knows what this is like. Yeah. But there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, the wonderful Jordan Gray. So that was Jordan Gray's Wonderbox. You can get tickets for a show, Is It a Bird, by going to jordangraylive.co.uk. Thanks for listening. See you next week for another Wonderbox.